Welcome to Season 6 of the Cocktail Lovers Podcast. I'm Gary. And I'm Sandra. And together, we are the Cocktail Lovers. We've been exploring the cocktail world for 15 years, sharing what we discover in our print and digital magazine, on our website, and all kinds of fun places. But this is where we're talking about all things cocktail. We're talking about the recipes, products, books, bars, and people. So, let's find out what's in this week's episode. As it's a new season and it's like being in back-to-school mode, we're focusing on all things new or newish in our first episode. Our pick of the new crop of products takes in a relatively new vodka, which adds freshness to the category – it's the Pod Pea Vodka from Manchester. Then there's Ardre, a new whisky, blending the artistry of Japan with the traditions of Scotland. Then we head over to the American bar to check out the first menu by its newest head bartender, the wonderful Chelsea Bailey. And our book choice is relatively new. It's the incredibly well-researched, highly informative Doctors and Distillers, The Remarkable Medicinal History of Beer, Wine, Spirits and Cocktails by Camper English. We also highlight another book in this episode with our fabulous guest, Ryan Chetiwardana, who tells us about the soon-to-be-released At Home with Mr Lion and Friends, which is a new version of one of our all-time favourites, Good Things to Drink with Mr Lion and Friends. But first... We are the cocktail lovers, so let's make ourselves a cocktail. So for the first drink of the new season, I am going with a drink from the 1870s. Oh, I thought we were keeping new. That's about as bloody old as you can get. I I like to keep you on your toes, but it's actually called... A New York Sour. See? Okay, okay. see, see what you've done there. <laughs> so I'm doing a New York Sour, which is basically a classic whiskey sour, but with a really nice little twist at the end. Good, I'm looking forward. Yeah, usually when we make drinks, not always, but they're ones we've made and, you know, we just make them on the podcast. Mm. This one I've had a few times and I really like it, but I've never made one. Well, so, new experiences. New experiences. <laughs> Good. <laughs> right. <laughs> so stand back because there's uh, this is going to be fun. Okay. Right. Okay. So New York Sour kicking off with, right. No, I don't need the ice shirt because, right. Okay. So would a little you... bit rusty over there, Mr. Oh, Sharp. A little bit, a little bit. Thank you. But I'm glad. Thanks for pointing it out. Now, you can have this with rye whiskey or bourbon. Which would you fancy? Um, I'll have rye whiskey, please. Okay. Right. Rye whiskey is, ma'am, coming right up. So we're using, I've got the lovely Oxford rye, which we're really fans of. Mm. So I'm making two obvs. So into my shaker goes 60 ml of this lovely Oxford rye whiskey. There you go. Next up, 30 ml per serve of lemon juice. So that's 60 in total. All right. And I also made some sugar syrup one to one a little while ago. So that's nice and fresh. And I'm going in with. 15ml each, so... 15. Yeah, one five, so in total 30. So get that in there. Right, oh, all going well so far. <laughs> You've still got a little way to go, my oh, friend. No. Right, this is where it gets interesting. Are you any good at separating eggs? No, don't worry, I'm not going to ask you to do it. I'm just wondering. I always find... Because I'm going to use an egg white in this sour. Mm. So I'm never that great. So stand back. Oh, my goodness. I was going to do this in advance. No, I thought, no, do it all live. Man. Yeah, okay. So, uh, right. Ooh, that's not looking too bad. Right. Well, I've actually, well, I've actually Good. to separate that. <laughs> Surprise myself. That live, <laughs> I separated an egg. So my egg white has gone in. And also a little dash, a couple of dashes, because it's for both of us, of Angostura bitters. Now, when we, I think we've said this in the past, when you shake with I don't know. White, I don't think we've done um, an egg white cocktail, actually. Oh, I thought we had. I thought you'd done one. Mm. 
not sure. Yeah, but anyway, it's anyway. always worth reminding people. Yeah, so yeah. So I'm doing whoops. Oh get my top on there. You See, go. I told you yeah, not. I was a little bit rusty. <laughs> little bit of no. anyway, I'm doing what they call a dry shake. Dry shake, yeah. So that's everything without your ice. So we want to get all that that egg white nicely yeah, and emulsified. emulsified, that's the word. And if you don't like egg white, there's what's that thing? I can't keep forgetting what it's called that's made uh, what's it? Oh, aquafaba. That's it. Mm-hmm. So if, if you don't like eggs or you're allergic to them, because we do you know, you can use that instead, and we do recommend using yeah, like it's, this. Yeah, um, it it's sort of chickpea water, so yeah. it's good for vegans, and it is good even if you're not a vegan, but you don't like the idea of having egg whites in your, in your drink. Yeah, and it, and we kind of like either of those, because it does give uh, sort of a bit of body to mm. a sour. Whatever. So I'm putting ice into my shaker. I'm also putting ice into a couple of rocks glasses there, so that's... All good. So, yeah, I think we're nearly good for another shake. So I've done my dry shake. I've put some ice in. My top is going back on my shaker. Wow, so far so good. Right. Give this a good old shake. Yeah. Make sure that's all secure. Here we go. Okay, it's steady there. Bloody hell, it's about to take off in that corner. <laughs> God, <laughs> make sure everything's good. Yes, right. you have okay, to, actually. There. As I said, I've put some ice cubes in my rocks glasses, so I'm straining this off, so that looks good, it smells good. Now, this is the bit I've either been looking forward to or dreading, depending on how you look at it. So this is... The little twist I was talking about. So it's effectively a whiskey sour up until now. But now I am going to dribble on top a red wine float. Mm. So you can use pretty much any red wine you like. I'm using a Pinot Noir, mainly because we like Pinot Noir. And so. also we have one. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the clever bit. right? I'm using, I'm holding it up so everyone can see, a bar spoon. And I'm doing, on the back of the bar spoon, I'm dribbling in 30 ml per glass of red wine. Ooh, oh, it works. Well done. Shouldn't sound so surprised. A really, drizzle rather than a dribble. <laughs> is that what I said, a dribble? <laughs> I think that's what I was expecting it to dribble. Yeah. Anyway, so I've done it over the back of the spoon. Yeah, that's lovely. I'm surprised myself. It's very so that professional. Is your New York sour. Looks beautiful. Wonderful. Hand that over to you. Let's do a cheers. To the cheers. First cheers to series. episode cheers. one, season six. six, man. six. Cheers. Cheers. My first choice for this episode of the new season is a new blended whiskey called Ardre. And when I say it's new, it was only launched back in June. So a couple of months. Very new. Very new. Mm. And it's very much a Scottish whiskey in terms of its production and Mm. everything about it. But it's a collaboration they've done with blenders from Suntory Whiskey in Japan to work on as a collaboration to get this this blend. Mm. And what they're saying, it's all about a celebration of a fresh perspective on blended whiskey and celebrating the artistry of blending and bringing in Japanese precision. And also because Japanese whiskeys, and particularly in Suntory, they've got some great whiskies already haven't they so it's quite interesting to see that they've collaborated with um, scottish distillery so let's see tell me more so very quickly on the bottle i love the bottle this is apparently the precision that went in even to the angle of the label they kept moving it by millimeters to get it very japanese yeah so let me just pass that over to you to have a little look but i really like that Mm. texture on the glass yeah we've noticed a lot of texture on glass recently yes, haven't they? yes and apparently i wouldn't have known this but apparently the glass texture represents the swaying of water and barley and then also with that label that triangle thing that must mean something in japanese symmetry or yeah, whatever could, i don't know but mm. i think you could well be right so it's it's a Beautiful looking. It's lovely. Cont- very heavy very, as very well. Very heavy. And it's contemporary looking, yes, isn't it? Again, yes. so sort of not what you expect necessarily mm. from a Scotch whiskey. And quite light coloured, actually. Yes, isn't it? So, yes, it is, because it's lovely clear glass. So let me get the seal off. I always like this bit of getting the seal off, mm. getting involved. Here it comes. Beautiful bottle. 
<laughs> Miss that sound. So <laughs> also I should say that they're very much into art. So the I should have said also on the packaging on the the, box. Uh, the carton. Mm. They've got a lovely sort of swaying effect. And they've collaborated with an artist called Leah Melia. And that's part of her design. And I think you can order limited edition prints yeah, from her it's and really stuff. Nice. So it's very elegant. Mm. So but this is something I'm particularly excited about. I'm going to do two versions because, you know, sometimes we talk about new products and have they got cocktails or recommended serves and things mm. like that. They don't, as far as I know, have cocktails. But what they do have is a serve called Off the Rocks, which is the one I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you an Off the Rock. And the idea with that is this. They've picked up on this debate that people have about whiskey of should you have it should with it, water, it, should mm. you have ice, blah, blah, blah. And obviously, we always say it's down to your personal taste. This is a punchy, as you like to say, 48%. Okay. So I think it will benefit from a little bit mm. of dilution. But what they do, and I'm going to do, is you get an ice ball, which I made earlier. Mm. I've got it on a julep strainer, but I guess you could use a tea strainer or anything. And they recommend that you pour... Ah. 60 50 ml so 50 ml so you pour it over the ice over the glass they say for eight seconds so let's say one two three four five six seven eight wow so so apparently it gives you just a little bit of dilution just a little bit of chilling so i'm going to give you that have a little taste and i'll taste the one thank you actually should i no i'll just taste mine as is i like the fact on the on the card and it says exquisite balance as well so let's see wow so do you want to go first i've got the non-diluted one Mm. i like um this fact that it's just got that little little bit of chill to yeah. it f- mm. from having poured it over the ice cube and also the ice ball sorry not giving it the kudos that it deserves and also it has opened it up slightly i i assume because i yeah. haven't tasted it neat but it has got a lovely smoky very delicately smoky finish to it very beautiful very exquisitely balanced as they said you know it's just really delicious i want to have to do a quick swap Mm. so i'll try your chilled one i'll give you Mm. my non-chilled or diluted one and here we go well there is a real difference Mm. yeah that's not just a gimmick no it really does make a difference wow i mean eight seconds over honestly that is like magic (laughs) yeah (laughs) not just the fact that it has chilled it but it really has opened it up but very delicately very very beautifully because undiluted it is quite it's quite punchy yeah agreeably so i mean Mm. i wouldn't have turned it away say but having tried it the way that they recommend i would definitely go for that and i'd definitely recommend that I would as well. Mm. I think it's a delicious whiskey. It's very smooth, very rounded, very easy to drink. And like you, I think the dilution with the ice ball yeah, is very, a great very idea. simple. And also, it's a really nice thing to do at home with guests because yeah. I think that it it shows a bit of theatre. It's not too difficult, but it mm. is something that really shows that you care and you know your stuff. So I'd recommend that. What's the price on so that? So that is, as I say, 48% ABV. And it's £60 for a 700ml bottle. So mm. I think that's really good. It's good for something of that of quality. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So that is Ardre, and I think we like it. It's a very good present whiskey. When you see this box, I think it's um, something that is very worthy for thinking about for Christmas gifts for whiskey absolutely, lovers. Yeah. Really, really good one. Right, my friend, I've got something very nice and new. Actually, not as new as your um, Ardre, which was just a couple of months ago. This is probably last year, mm-hmm. but we haven't seen anything and it's new to us. So let's just call it new. It is called P-Pod Vodka, or oh. it's called Pod, but it's a pea vodka. And it's one of those things because there's a lot more savoury things. I mean, you're seeing a lot of tomato, clarified yeah, tomato yeah. drinks and things like that. So it makes sense to do a vodka made from something savoury. And in this case, it's peas. Yeah. So Pod Pea Vodka, it's made with British peas and it celebrates the best of local brilliance, they say, oh. and the delicious power of the pea. 
while protecting our planet. So it's actually been created by a lady called Becky Davis, who's also the head of commercials at um, a distributors called Tenlocks. Okay. And their whole thing is to champion spirits that are doing good, you know, doing oh, good right. for the nice. planet and things. Yeah. So this is their first thing under their own label. Mm-hmm. So what do we say about the bottle? It's quite simple. Yeah, I, I noticed this. Uh, I like that sort of subtle. Mm. It's almost like a... I know it's pea, but it's a minty lightness in the colour mm. of the green. It's not a really dark, dark green. I like this. And the bottle, a bit like we were saying on about the other one, very contemporary. I like the way the label has that kind of curve on it, which picks up on, I think, on the shape of a mm. peapod. And it's not Lovely just about the aesthetics. They're true to what they believe in. Everything is about sustainability and doing good and yeah. keeping carbon footprint low. So everything has been designed with that in mind. So there's a lot of information on the website and it tells you exactly what they're doing for the planet and what their beliefs are and all of the good bits and bobs about this vodka. So we've been keeping this here for a little while because we've wanted to try it live. So I'm jolly excited to taste. It's interesting because we've said before that, you know, we're just picking up on some interesting vodka things over the last Mm. year or so. So I'm looking forward to this particularly. Yes, it's one of Manchester's finest, apparently. It's made in Manchester, so... Hmm, I'm not really getting pee on the nose, I must say. Are you getting it on the taste? Subtly. No, no Subtly. I'm, I'm not. You're, well, you're more uh, attuned to these things. I'll be very honest. I'm not getting yeah, it. Yeah, very, very subtle. But on the other hand, I, I don't know how much I was expecting it to be like, you know, not, not like a flavoured spirit, like, oh, it's vodka. Mm. It's going to taste of peas, much as I like eating peas. But I just think this is... A very tasty vodka. It's got a lot, nice... What's the ABV? It's got a nice sort of rich body to it. It is 40, 40%. Mm. Really good. I mean, very I love creamy. the taste of it. As I say, mm. it doesn't thwack of peas. No. But I think there is this slight sort of vegetal note to yeah. it. Yes, that I yes, think yes, that yes. it would probably that. really lift certain cocktails. They've um, got quite a few that they recommend. They have things like the Easy Easy. Nope. Get that? <laughs> soda and sugar with a soda and then a sugar snap garnish. Oh, nice. Um, a pod mule, which is fresh cucumber juice, lime and ginger beer. That would mm. be lovely and refreshing. Yeah. Peas and cues um, with muddled mint, peas and cucumber. And then they also use it in a Bloody Mary, so that would lift that vegetable yes. thing. I, I, You know, as I said, I'm not getting the peas, but I do like it as a vodka. Mm. I think it's really Gorgeous tasting, actually. Me very too. fresh. It's very sort of, there's a sort of citrusy burst to yeah. it, would you say? Yeah, and also, like you said, it's vegetal. It's also, it's, it's kind of got a lot of depth as well, which mm. goes back to that thing I think we've talked about before, about people used to say, oh, vodka, it's great for cocktails because it's a blank canvas, mm. which I think is so unfair for great vodka. Yeah, They're not yeah, blank yeah. canvases. They've got characters. That, and well, and this, this definitely has character. Yeah. And so, as well as being about peas, they focus on their three peas, which are people... Purpose and Planet. Love it. And that is Pod. It's a pea vodka. And depending where you look, because I've looked across the internet, it ranges from anything from 38 to 46 pounds. But go to their website and we will, as always, have pictures and details on our Instagram feed. And now for a cocktail hack from one of our experts. Hi, my name's Ian Burrell, the Global Ambassador for Rum, and this is my cocktail hack for you at home. Um, Sometimes we always think when we're going to shake and make a cocktail, we have to have these fancy cocktail shakers. No, you don't need one. Just use a plastic water bottle. You know the little ones you might put your water in and squeeze them when you're going for a little jog? They're great for shaking cocktails. Just open at the top, put ice inside there, put your cocktail in, close the lid, make sure it doesn't leak because you don't have a drink, and then give it a good shake, just like a normal cocktail shaker. Uh, Open up the top. And then you can just squeeze out the juice into your glass because it's actually got a natural strainer on there. So that's my little cocktail hack. You don't have to have a really fancy cocktail shaker like you see in some of these bars. Just use a plastic water bottle. (laughs) 
The American Bar at Savoy, one of our very favourite places, but we haven't been there for a little while. We popped back recently and, well, we'd like to pop back anyway, but in this case specifically because there's a new menu and it's under the stewardship of the new head bartender, Chelsea Bailey, the great Chelsea Bailey. I say new, she's been there about a year. Yeah, she's been there a year and we we wanted to give her a bit of time to settle in, to produce her new menu so we could go and enjoy and see how she's bringing new life and new energy into the old American bar. Yeah, and I think, to be fair, one year in the history of the American bar is very new, really, be honest. Um, It really is. But it was nice to pop back as well because... It was just nice when we went in. It was full. It was buzzing. And you kind of got the feeling that, as ever, there were all sorts of guests. There were hotel guests. There were special occasions. There were the couple of people popping in after work. There was just really good feeling. There. Yes. And, and as we said before, Chelsea has got a new team with her. Yeah. And they have brought with them a new energy to this room. And it really felt amazing. So tell us about the menu, Gary. Well, it's called the Savoy American Bar Journal. Mm. And it's a kind of nod or homage, whatever you want to call it, to Harry Craddock and his book, The Savoy Cocktail Book. He was the head bartender back in the 1930s Mm. and he did the great classic iconic cocktail book. So it's a nod towards that. So there's some little elements of design that remind you of that. But it's much, much more than that. It's, It's all sorts of drinks and they've all got stories. So I think there's something like... 15 drinks, Mm. of which four um, you can have with or without alcohol, which I think is a really nice trend we're seeing. Mm. Rather than having separate non-alcoholic cocktails, you can have the same cocktail with or without. So that's always a nice thing. So as I say 15 drinks, uh, the design has a little bit of a feel of that harry craddock oh yeah book. absolutely you can see that from the um the jacket as yes. well it and just it's got beautiful feels illustrations like as really well, really it? lovely the illustrations they completely pop because everything about the menu is quite classic quite paired back but these illustrations just really jump out they're vibrant they're modern they just have a really great feel about them and they bring the whole thing to life which i think yeah. is a really lovely counterbalance almost yeah and i think the other thing that's really nice about this is at one level you can just look at the the list of cocktails it's got they've got names they've got ingredients you can get a feel in i think they've done it in it's quite nice they've got like three words to describe each cocktail Mm, so you get mm. a sense of what you're in for and then if you want to dig in a little deeper you can look at the back and it's got the story yeah i think that's really nice i think it is nice to separate it like that because some people don't give a jot quite frankly but more and more people are you you want to find it and particularly with something like this it is a very historic look at at cocktails and and you know the savoy's history so they do have some lovely things like for instance there's a cocktail here called the fine and fancy which we tried but it's yes it's whiskey and ginger no ice is maggie's preferred beverage she's maggie is one of their long-time customers and they've dedicated a recipe to her which i think is amazing that's lovely yeah. and it says however 25 years ago during her first visit to the savoy for her daughter's 18th birthday peter dorelli gave her her first glass of champagne this one's for you maggie oh. and the fine and fancy is which i had it's macintosh whiskey eco spirits honey thyme ginger Sue's Gentian and Nightimber Classic Cuvée, which is described on the front of the menu in the three words that you said, Gary, herbaceous, punchy and bubbly, which it really was. It was just a pure treat. I love that one. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I had a couple of cocktails. We both had a yes, couple, I should did. point out. I had something called a New York Cherub, so a bit of a New York, yeah, New York theme what's going though. on New York, here? New York, uh, <laughs> which is fruity, complex, and powerful, Ra- rather like my co-host here, <laughs> really. Um, <laughs> You're that, so funny. Thank you. Uh, that is made with rabbit hole rye whiskey, also Bowmore, fifteen-year-old whiskey, raspberry discarded vermouth, maraschino liqueur, and spice violet. L- l- bitters and that's described as smoky spiced and floral Mm. and my other one was an olive 20th century which is green olive beef eater 24 gin 
white cacao, absolute elix vodka, cochi americano, and lemon liqueur, which is dry, complex, delicate, very martini style, very yeah. up my street. I <laughs> loved it. And I also had something called the Last Call, which is rather a gorgeous drink. <laughs> and I was so glad I had this. It's a lovely serve. Um, I should just tell you, it's made with Glenfiddich 21-year-old whiskey, walnut wine, chestnut oh, yes, that Ola was a Rocher great sherry, one, yeah. and Pedro Jimenez sherry. And uh, what I liked be- before I get on to how delicious it was, was the serve. It felt like a real classy so because it was brought to the table yes. in its own little chilled yes. decanter it's a bit more expensive that one yeah isn't we it? should just point out yeah that it is slightly <laughs> more expensive i think 40 pounds it is 40 pounds mm. i mean all the others were around about 22, 22? to 22 yeah. to 29 that was 40 but i say it was in this decanter and a chilled glass yeah it because, really was worth it so you just pour it from the decanter into glass and there's no ice but it's served mm. up in a in a rocks glass without ice but it was such a gorgeous We'll drink. have a picture of that, actually. And yes. I think it's one of those really, because I'm worth it, drinks. Mm. It's not only, not only does it look good, it really tastes good. And I'm sorry, Gary, I nearly drank as much you as you did. You were helping <laughs> yourself liberally, I recall, to It my was drink. jolly tasty. It was a really, really good one. But also they have some great um, bar food as mm. well. So there's a heavier section towards the, the back, but then also just some little nibbles, which we had, which... They had this lovely roast aubergine dip with homemade crisp breads and caraway seeds, cauliflower nuggets, which were mm-hmm. really great, yeah. actually, with Louisiana chili dressing and coriander, and caramelised chili spiced mini free range sausages, which mm. everyone loves it well, apart from a vegetarian. <laughs> <laughs> but most meat eaters love a pork sausage, yeah. don't they? And, and I think also the ones we had, they, they just went so well with yes. the cocktails. They didn't overpower. They just, you know, augmented the experience. Oh, get yeah. you. I know. Uh, absolutely great. We loved it. We love what Chelsea's doing with the drinks. Yes. We love the fact that she hasn't gone bonkers with the menu. She's been very careful to respect the bones of the Savoy and yes, also the historic point. cocktails that yeah. they have there, but just lifting them and really elevating them and making them really all so tasty for modern palates. And I just yeah. think that um, well worth going in and treating yourself to one of the many drinks that they've yeah. got on that list. Yeah, it's one of those menus that I just want to go back and back and just work my way through until I've tried every drink on the menu. I think you will. The brand new issue of the Cocktail Lovers magazine is out now and it's all about going local. Our homage to the people, bars and products supporting, celebrating and championing their surrounding areas. To get your print or digital issue, simply visit thecocktaillovers.com slash magazine. Okay, so I'm in back to school mode. This time of year always reminds me of getting ready to go back to school, even (laughs) though that was about a century ago. But anyway, (laughs) I digress. So with that in mind, my book choice this week is actually a bit more studious, I would say, rather than a straightforward recipe book. It's called Doctors and Distillers, The Remarkable Medicinal History of Beer, Wine, Spirits and Cocktails. And it's by our favourite cocktail geek, Camper English. Ah, (laughs) I love Camper. Actually, he's done so much. He's one of these people, if you want to know anything about ice, you must go to his website. He has experimented with ice. He's done it with cubes. He's done all sorts of things. And he has a wonderful website. We'll put details on our show notes. But this is his book. It's new-ish in in the sense that it was published probably late last year. Okay. But I love it. It's a paperback, which Mm. usually most books, when they first come out, are in hardback. Mm. But this straight to paperback, which makes it even more sort of school-like in a way (laughs) to me. But it's a wonderful, very, very deeply researched book. And it's all about interconnecting the history of alcohol and medicine. And he looks at things that, you know, that beer-based wound care, 
they used to deworm with wine. Mm. Whiskey was used for snake bites and medicinal mixers to defeat malaria and scurvy. And this is what he looks at. So he's looking at the old stuff, but bringing it up to date. Mm. And there's some recipes in there. There's so much information in there. I'm only about, I don't know, a tenth of the way through it, actually. <laughs> but it's one of those books that you can read and learn from. He's done it in a, he's very yes geeky yeah. and he has put a lot of research in there but there's humor as well so there's lovely light that's touches good to which... hear because you could you could sort of get too heavy with yes like you this, could you? you could and there's nine extensive sections taking in things like fermentation he looks at monks and the history of monastic orders the history of monastic oh how do we say that monastic monastic orders liqueurs and the middle ages he looks at spirits he looks at mixology and all sorts of things and it's a really wonderful yeah. read what do you think yeah of it? What i, I was gonna heard? say when you started talking there because i haven't looked at this mm. um until now uh but something that i found really intriguing over the last i don't know 10 years or so that we've been doing this kind of thing is i was really flabbergasted to discover how many bottles of different liqueurs and bitters or whatever had their roots in medicine mm. you know and it was i thought sort of those monks they were having a great oh, time right. always sort of distilling <laughs> distilling no something. wonder they didn't want to come out of their monasteries <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so i was fascinated by that so i'm quite intrigued to to look at this i think this is and, a book learn, you would love yeah actually. yeah and learn a little bit more about that connection mm. with how you kind of have that history of medicine in if you like in bottles that then suddenly along the way becomes recreational drinking yeah absolutely and speaking of recreational drinking camper has cleverly put some recipes not too many but there's just some nice recipes in there very simple and just to keep keep the flow going well you really. know what was really odd as well when i was flicking through it just now it fell open on on a new york sour oh, recipe come on what are <laughs> the chances so i'm going to go back in here and have a look and see is that medicinal because i i feel better after the one i i made it i, I certainly you. do i can't even get my words out so that is doctors and distillers the remarkable medicinal history of beer wine spirits and cocktails by Camper English and it's published by Penguin Random House and it's approximately £15. Ryan Chetiyawadana, aka Mr Lion, grew up in a household where food and drink were at its heart so perhaps it was only natural that he chose to start training as a chef, but he yearned to get out of the kitchen and interact with the people enjoying his creations. He also studied fine art, biology and philosophy, and it was while studying that he discovered that the bar was the perfect place to bring together creativity, entertaining and conversation. Significantly, he also began experimenting with ingredients, tailoring his drinks to the individual people that he met, what they were like, their mood and their interests. He opened his first bar, White Lion, in London in 2013, the first cocktail bar in the world to use no perishables, no fruit and even no ice. This focus on sustainability has remained at the heart of his work and his many bars, including Lioness and Seed Library in London, Silver Lion in Washington, D.C., and Super Lion in Amsterdam. He's won countless awards and received numerous accolades, including Time Out's Person of the Decade, World's Most Influential Bar Personality from Drinks International on the Bar World 100, listed as one of the 500 most influential Britons and International Bartender of the Year at Tales of the Cocktail, not to mention appearing five years running on the Evening Standard's Top 1000 Most Influential Londoners. And that's only some of them. Ryan, welcome to the Cocktail Lovers Podcast. Thank you so much. It's a it's very lovely hearing that some of those things. It's strange. Yeah, hearing them in one go, it's it's very nice to hear somebody talk about some of that stuff. Thank you. It's a lovely introduction. You're welcome. 
It's really funny, isn't it? Because I guess you forget about a lot of these things as you're always striving for something else. You know, there's always new projects on the go. And speaking of that, tell us, because we haven't seen you for a little while, what is going on in the world of Ryan, Mr. Lion? (laughs) I mean, I think you're right. We've always tried to kind of keep ourselves busy. And I think the thing that's always excited me so much about the industry is there's lots of different things to kind of turn your attention to. And I think because we love all the facets of it, we've tried to see the different areas we can push. And it's meant that we've kind of kept ourselves very busy with a kind of wide range of products, projects, products, everything. And it's, yeah, that now's been no different. I think it's really interesting because we're we're coming up on, on 10 years of the bars. So there's some fun activities planned around that. But there's also just the landscape has shifted so much. If I think about, you know, from when we started to where we are now, And each of the bars have kind of grown into their own character. So they're all doing new things and they've got their different focus and their different like kind of lanes that they work in. So there's plenty that's kind of keeping us active across the venues. I mean, we've got new menus galore. I think that's a constant rhythm that we have going. (laughs) You know, particularly for Alex and I, we jump around those. But, you know, even within the venues, they're doing some kind of really exciting little projects of their own. I mean, Lioness has, you know, they have Noma projects coming into town. So we're doing a collaboration, really looking at, again, the kind of like high end of, of pushing the boundaries around kind of food and drink and flavor. Superline's doing some amazing kind of collaborations in market where it's it's looking at ways in which they can kind of bridge into everything from some kind of fashion to local kind of like manufacturing. There's some really fun things there. Silverline's doing a project on kind of storytelling and how do we use our mechanism to, to kind of bring flavors to life. So they're doing some talks across the country in the U.S., And Seed Library is kind of, again, continuing to look at where can we learn from different perspectives. So some of the collaborations they have coming up around ways of us thinking differently on how we gather, how we put flavors together, you know, all the things that each of those bars has tried to to kind of focus on and, and kind of like push, you know, they're all continuing to do things that, you know, every time I walk into a meeting or into the room with the team and they're talking about what's going on, it feels really inspiring to me and feels really exciting. So I'm really happy to see with you know, all of the different things that are going on, they they still feel really fresh and new. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting as well, Ryan, you mentioned that you're coming up to the 10th anniversary of the bars. And something Sandra and I talk about a lot is the, the way the world of cocktails and drinks has accelerated in the last few years. So what's exciting you in the space right now, maybe compared to like 10 years ago and what's happening now? I mean, it's incredible to see. I think, you know, some of the things and, you know, you were both instrumental on kind of joining some of this conversation for people because it was originally it was a group of very passionate people that really believed in cocktails and we wanted it to get to the wider public. And, you know, I remain so grateful to to you and the people who supported to, to help connect those dots and tell those stories because it was niche back in the day. It was a very small subset of people of course, we were all very passionate about it, but we all believed in the fact that this was something that could be for everyone. And, you know, you fast forward 10 years and not only has the space expanded so much, so you have so many different styles of bars. It's not just your typical cocktail bar. It's down to your pub. It's down up to your kind of like fine dining restaurant. And, you know, the how much it's factored into the every person's life or the way they think about a night out or what they do when they're entertaining at home is is so much wider. And that's just given us kind of so much more room to kind of go, well, great. It's, this isn't something niche or weird anymore. We can build on that and show you a different side of it. And, you know, I think it's really blossomed, not only the conversations we have, but where we get to have it and the type of things that we get to demonstrate. So, you know, 10 years, you know, in, in one sense feels like, you know, yes, it's a significant amount of time, but it can feel like a blip. But the amount of change that's happened in that period is so rapid. And, you know, it's if you compare it to decades of work in the years before that, yes, of course, there was a big change from, you know, the 80s. And, you know, there was significant shifts over periods of the cocktail age. But what's happened in the last 10 years, I think, has been like a, a, an absolutely like cheetah sprint of what's been happening before. <laughs> That's a perfect way to describe it, actually. I mean, as you say, so much has happened. And you've been instrumental in a lot of that. And particularly, we're talking today about your the relaunch of your book, one of the which is one of the reasons I think that perhaps 10 years ago, we might not have had a book like this that aimed for the home bartender. So tell us a bit about it. And 
why we're talking to you about it today. Yeah. It was funny kind of thinking back and we had the first conversations around the book not long after we we opened White Lion. And I think it was just after, you know, we had started talking about kind of like Dan Lion as a project and, you know, there'd been a few bits out there in the world around what it was going to be. And we got approached to kind of go, well, would you talk about some of the things that you're doing in terms of technique and, you know, you're doing different distillations, you're doing fermentation, all of these things that seem kind of like really different in the drinks world. Would you do a book that was based on that? And my response was, I no, I don't understand why we would. And, you know, I remember thinking and going, you know, I obviously loved what we were doing at the time and all of the work that was going on in the company. But I was like, nobody's going to do this. You know, it's... It, it, you know, at a time where we're trying to recruit people to the world of drinks, it would feel like a real alienating point. You know, some of the steps that goes on in the bar, it's like, you know, this takes three weeks to make, or it's like 50 steps to follow. It's not what people needed. And the thing that excited me was going, well, actually, you know, people see all of these barriers around cocktails and why it can't be part of their everyday lives. So why don't we actually create a book that talks about our experience in the industry, thinking about the practicalities of why, you know, if we've got a big group of people coming together, you don't make martinis for each and every one of them individually, because it means that, you know, the last person is waiting for ages and the first person's finished their drink by the time you've got halfway through. So, you know, we would take some of that insight and help people, you know, actually kind of get them to go, well, actually, you know, you love enjoying these drinks when you're out. They can form part of your home life as well. And we can kind of remove some of those barriers and talk to you about things that can make it really easy. And, you know, that was a, that to me was a really exciting proposition. It was a real marker in terms of what was happening in the stages of people's excitement around drinks. And it was very different for the time. You know, there wasn't many kind of cocktail books that, yes, there was some that were able to be used by the home bartender, but they didn't tell you why you would have that drink. No, and not broken down in the way that you did it. I mean, it still is one of our absolute favourites. There's something about it. I think that it's the photography, it's the conviviality of it, it's your lovely illustrations, it's all of these things. And also the drinks are banging. They're just so delicious. So it's one of those things. We always say it to you, it's one of our favourite books. So we're really pleased that you've relaunched it as well so well done thank you and it was you know the thing around the book was it was absolutely genuine you know it is kim's like you know it's very dear friend and she's just got such a brilliant eye for capturing the actual context of what's happening she kind of does a bit of reportage fly on the wall style photography but she just you know really just documented it without it feeling staged or having to set things up too much but still capturing the beauty of it and you know she managed to capture all of the emotion around these occasions and honestly that's what we did we set up in real life what are the moments in which we gather and it's everything from those kind of intimate dates through to when you're hosting a dinner party or when you're out in the open or it's beautiful weather and you want to take something to the park you know, all of those moments in real life where we would use great drinks to, to kind of help make those moments feel more special. We just literally got together with friends and family. I, you know, wrote down the things that I would do and the recipes that I had kind of developed over, you know, years of being in the industry to kind of go, well, this really works for these settings. And we just made the drinks, we shot them, we enjoyed them. And that, that, that was kind of it. So it was a real joy to bring this to life. And, you know, having seen the success of it, it was, you know, it was so wonderful to see people actually use this book, you know, not just be like fans of the bars and the work that we've done. It was kind of going, well, actually, this was really helpful to me. And, you know, the number of messages we got back about, you know, people using this from everything from, you know, their gatherings to people use it as like a way of helping the drinks for their wedding. And it was, it was wonderful to kind of hear And, you know, it ended up getting translated in different editions around the world. And it felt like a useful document to people. And then, you know, kind of reaching, you know, 10 years later on it, it was really lovely to hear that there was continued interest. And, you know, the book had gone out and it was lovely. Actually, I got contacted by Denise, who I had known from a while back because she was Dave Broom's publisher. And so she'd been his editor and worked together for a long time. And, you know, when I'd helped Dave on some of his books, we had kind of crossed paths. And she kind of got into contact and said, you know, there was a lot of interest around this in a kind of renewed sense. And partly because we'd done a couple of extra bits, you know, the Masterclass series had, I suppose, kind of helped again push these 
this idea of drinks in people's homes to people. But she said there was a lot of demand around it. You know, people have been asking about this as an amazing article to actually help people. Would we think about doing a reinvigoration around it and expand it a little, push it out, but also just reflect on it a touch? You know, she talked about the fact that she was like, I loved, you know, where this kind of got, you know, legitimately born out of the work you're doing, you know, the title itself. She was like, it's really wonderful because it's clearly such a, you know, a reflection of what you do in real life. But her point was, she was like, there is a, a need for really a, a very clear book that helps people in who don't know who you are to kind of like also use this as a way of bringing cocktails into their home. And so that's where the kind of like, suggest, that's why she was like, just a tweak to the name, helping people understand it and looking to expand on some of those occasions to to kind of either update things that we think had changed or offer a couple more occasions in there. Um, and it just seemed like a really lovely opportunity to re-engage that conversation and go, you know, yeah, we should think about how cocktails are a magical thing and can be part of our lives. Absolutely. Now, we haven't said what the book was called and what the book is called. So yes. shall we shall we do that now? <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, so the title of the book originally, you know, the idea of kind of saying it's literally kind of good things to drink, you know, that was, I suppose, the kind of purpose of what we, you know, wanted to be able to do is talk about this idea of, that's, I suppose, it's not about fanciful things. It's not about things that are kind of like overly complicated. They're just good things to drink. Good. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. And, you know, there was something I really liked about the kind of plain language around it, because I suppose that's what we were trying to do at the time is kind of dispel some of the jargon and, you know, what people were thinking about. So we, we simply called it good things to drink with Mr. Lion and Friends, because that's what it was. <laughs> and what is it now? So now it's Mr. Lion's Cocktails at Home. And I think, you know, we worked through a couple of titles and the thing that we kind of kept coming back to is we really wanted plain language. You know, we didn't want there, you know, and you know me very well and, you know, clarity is not always my strong point. <laughs> and, you know, it's, I suppose, something that, you know, particularly with the team we go back and forth on, you know, it does need to say what it is on the tin. And yes, there can be some playful language and all these other things around it, but we need to be able to signpost and for you know, I suppose the insight that came back from some of the book fairs and, you know, the things that people had loved about the book was, it's great if, you know, you know who Ryan and the team and all of the things that they've done are, it's great for that. But actually, it needs to be much clearer that if you're brand new to the world of cocktails, this is a really useful book for you to bring cocktails into your home. So that's why we went kind of a little bit more kind of plain on the, and kind of straightforward on the title. Also, what's really nice, and you touched on this briefly earlier about the moods and the occasions, and that was something I think that really first attracted us originally was you felt like we felt like we could step into that world and, you know, hang out with you and your friends. There was one that always struck me from day one, and it was that lovely like going for a ramble yeah. and putting a drink, which I think might have been made with gin, but in into your hip flask. Yeah. And th for me, that was like great why not do put a little mixed drink in your hip flask so could you talk a little bit more about some of those occasions some and some examples from those occasions that yeah you of course i think it's a great insight one because i think you know particularly in in places where i've lived where you could get out to to kind of green space i always find it so restorative and it felt such a lovely different point to be able to kind of like amble with a friend and chat and catch up and you know Sometimes you don't need anything alongside that. You can just go have a cup of tea. But there's also, you know, again, that magic of having a drink over something. And, you know, when I was in Scotland for a long time, I remember thinking about, you know, the cooling nature of like a, you know, you've got a hip flask and it's great if you're able to share a dram and certain whiskeys just really fit the elements. And they reached the point that later on in the walk, it kind of been warmed up by being close to your body and it changed over that period. And, just kind of thinking on that moment, but realizing there's something very particular about a whiskey that's a, a, a kind of a wonderful thing that it covers, but there's a lot of other occasion around it that doesn't get kind of tapped into by that. So it was kind of looking into what could a cocktail do around that experience? You know, what does it mean to have that same thing of something cooling to begin with, but you share it over a period of time, it sits close to you and it warms and it changes. And that kind of reflects, I suppose, that whole arc of where you're out in nature and, you know, that's something that we try to explore a little further. So what does it mean to, to have those things that you can mark? And I love that little hunter's flask. It's still something I do, particularly when I go up to my dad's and we're walking the dogs and it's beautiful countryside. And that's a drink I, I still hold very firmly in my heart. 
but it was also looking at, you know, sometimes you want something that's a little bit more kind of like warming and fortifying and, you know, like, yes, I don't drink coffee. So a cup of tea is sometimes that, but, you know, we looked at some of the other drinks around it. And actually that's one of the ones I kind of added in as a new drink on this is a twist on a spiton, which is a, an old kind of like tea. And interestingly, it's a jam cocktail, which I always find interesting because it's how do you take something that somebody's got as a real storeboard ingredient and find a way of kind of transforming that into a new use. So this was really fun as a way of going, well, actually, this can be a really warming drink, but it uses a lot of stuff that you've just got sitting at home as well. And the thing throughout the book to me that was really important was the idea of it being customizable. You know, these aren't like hard set in stone recipes, they're guides. And it's for you to be able to think on, you know, what are the ingredients that you love? So I talk about that one as being kind of like smoky tea and blackberry jam or jelly. And, you know, I think that's partly because it, it links to the historical kind of recipe, but it's also around the flavors. If I think on like walking out in, you know, the elements, you know, still one of my favorite, I remember I, I missed the train because I was with a friend and we were picking wild brambles and they were so delicious <laughs> that we totally missed out on the time. But like brambles, you know, the smell of chimneys, like all of those like lovely flavors feel very evocative to me a bit. So it was trying to think on, you know, that's what I think is a wonderful DNA for this drink. But if you've got strawberry jam, you've got like blueberries, or you're in a different country where you have a different set of ingredients, you can use this as a framework just to add in the things that you know and love. And, you know, that to me is, again, one of the things that I've enjoyed most about sending this out into the world. And it excites me about this new edition is as people have got much more comfortable with not just like cocktails, but flavors and food and ingredients they can use this as a blueprint to make it their own. And I really like hearing people's, you know, own riffs on things that they've done. Like, you know, one of my favorite drinks from the book in general was the Newt Negroni. And it was a fun technique that was, you know, very adaptable. And I think people were very confused by it at first. But, you know, you saw people then going, oh, I actually do my own infusion of this, or I've not done it on a Negroni, I do it on this drink. And it's just, it's wonderful to empower people through this to then make it their own. And that was uh, kind of like a re-key goal for me. And it's lovely to see that it's kind of succeeded in that way. Mm. We've counted a few as, as well as the recipe that you just mentioned that you've re-added. There's a couple of new additions. How did you choose which ones to put in? That must have been quite tricky. Eh? It is tricky. And actually, Denise and I chat a lot. There was a few ones where we were like, do we have this in as well? And, you know, we tried to look at things as a fairly even spread. And I think some of it was where we had just kind of good opportunities where perhaps, you know, it was, there was a few drinks in a section and there was space literally to be able to go, okay, actually this is, you know, a shorter section. Why don't we look to kind of add in a few other suggestions there? So we kind of went through all of the different things, but we also reflected on, you know, what has changed in the world of drinks? What are the other opportunities? Yeah. So it was, it was a difficult task to think on and also to cut it back. You know, I think that's the difficult thing is always in the editing is going, making sure that, you know, we've got enough there, but it's not just like overwhelming with new bits that feel kind of confusing in the mix as well. Yeah, it's great. Mm -hmm. We love it. Can't wait to get our hands on the new one. <laughs> no, absolutely. <laughs> I'm jumping ahead to that because we haven't seen it yet. I should never ask this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. What's your, I know it's like saying, what's your favorite child, but well, you know, tell us what's your favorite chapter and your favorite drink in the whole book? Oh, that is difficult. I think one of my favorite chapters was the idea of you know, some of those ones that feel potentially a little bit more unexpected for people around cocktails. And, you know, when it hit like the Friday night section, I think that was very much in people's wheelhouse. And it was just giving them kind of like solid direction on drinks that kind of work in that way. But it was really nice thinking on what does it mean to be al fresco when you're outside? It's not kind of like a wintry warming drink you need. It's something that's actually a little bit more kind of bright. It needs to work alongside food. It needs to not be too boozy. And, you know, actually helping, I suppose, direct around that kind of thing because i've heard so many both practical and i suppose stylistic kind of skews from friends they'll be like oh you know i need a, a recipe for making manhattans you know we're going to do like this like daytime event i'm like 
you don't need that. No. <laughs> it's not, that's not the drink. <laughs> the last you need thing at that you point. need. <laughs> yeah. Like everybody's going to be knocked out and it's going to be like a rich, heavy, like wintry drink at the wrong point. And of course, like that's the beauty of cocktails. It can juxtapose a bit, but you know, even down to the practicality, people would talk about something that was either too boozy for that situation, or it was going to mean that they were just like not sitting at the table with their friends. It was going to feel really complicated and, you know, they have to shake up everything a la minute and it was going to be very practically tough. So that section I think was really wonderful to explore. And I really enjoyed, yeah, the, both the challenge of it, but also the success of seeing what worked in it. In terms of, okay, I'm trying to think of one of the new drinks that has kind of ended up being a bit of favorite. I mean, I've really enjoyed the kind of like additions from the teams in each of these as well. We had a, a few in the original edition and Alex has added one in for this book. That's always been really nice because, you know, I think everything that we've always done as work has been as a team kind of collaborative effort. So, you know, being able to borrow from some of their expertise and it was kind of nice because Alex's drink for, it fits within like, again, as I say, the Friday night, those like later night drinks things are a space where I think people feel fairly versed. But actually, he's done something that feels really fresh in that space. And it's a shareable drink. And I think it just plays the, the tone of that occasion in a really nice way. What's it called? That's the smoked watermelon shandy. Sounds great. It is. It's really nice. And then there's some that uh, I suppose we, I did a drink that's called the Cochin Cola. And it was really inspired by, I suppose, when something had kind of changed my mind. And, you know, I'd gone out, I was with Craig Harper, a very dear friend and mentor of mine. And we were traveling through India and we were trying different types of ginger. And it was, you know, trying to understand why, you know, fever tree go to the lengths they do to source some of these ingredients. But trying this product in that setting and like it just really shifted the way I started to think around that ingredient. You know, lots of people use ginger beer or ginger ale in their drinks at home. And it's a very kind of it's a great heavy lifting ingredient because it kind of does a lot of the hard work for you. But it was trying to rethink on how you could do that. So it's probably the drink in the book that's the most, there's two that are slightly more complicated this way, this time around. One is a drink that uses a cold drink with a hot foam. And the other is this, because it's probably something that we would do in the bars. And it's very specific on like temperature and preparation. But actually, it just really showcases a different side of an ingredient. So hopefully it gets people both inspired to, to pay attention to some of those details, but also think about you know, how they could use a very familiar ingredient in a different way. So that's that's become a bit of a favorite from the book because it takes something like a highball and how convivial and easy that feels to make it feel kind of celebratory. And I think that's a really nice, just like gentle shift in emotion that I, yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed uh, seeing. And I'm, I'm, I'm very hopeful to, to, to kind of like let people bring that to life in their own way. Fantastic. Okay, so if there's one tip, that you could pass on to the home bartender, what would it be and why? So it's difficult. There's a lot of things that I think are tiny little additions that make a lot of sense to be. I often say like, you know, the best piece of kit that people could get is either like a really good knife or some scales because it just, control is very important. But, and I imagine this is a an often echoed one from the kind of trade is to, you know, remember ice is like a, a kind of key ingredient but i'm gonna i'm gonna step back from those kind of practical ones and just go think on what you're trying to create now that sounds very wishy-washy as, as a statement but you know this is why we did different occasions it's why we got to kind of people to try and think on who they're going to be with because the beauty of a cocktail is it can reinforce the mood in the most wonderful way. You can, you know, if you want to have a cozy evening, that drink is going to make it feel so perfectly cozy. But it's it can also do the opposite. You can transform, you can shift a mood and just think about who you're with, what you love about it and what you're trying to do. And so the more you think on those kind of elements of it, the rest falls into line very easily. Like the practical side is grand, but just try and think on why are you making this drink? What do you need it to do? And then, you know, that's where you can look at like other ingredients. It's not, that's where it becomes more empowering and you kind of reach for your favorite herbs or the spirits that you have to hand. You're less rigid about it because you're not trying to create that drink. You're trying to solve the emotional need of what it's trying to tap into. 
I love, I love that. it. Oh. Always, you see, <laughs> always. You are the man. It's fantastic. Ryan, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. And we must say to everybody, all of our listeners, if you don't already have good things to drink, make sure that you have the new version, which is Mr. Lion's Cocktails at Home. It is amazing. So, Ryan, thank you very much for your time. Thank you so much, Ryan. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Cocktail Lovers podcast. We really hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please tell your friends and make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. For more details on the people, places and products mentioned today, head over to our website, thecocktaillovers.com.